Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, Selfishly is one of my favorites. I always enjoy when I get to kind of walk down memory lane, get into a little nostalgia of, you know, childhood Jackson. This week I'm interviewing Jim Wise. Now, he is probably most famous in the acting world as Coach Tugna on Even Stevens, Disney Channel show from uh, the late 90s, very early 2000s. He was kind of... uh, I know, like the zany gym teacher, we talk about how his character kind of devolves into just a wacky guy, the butt of a lot of jokes. Uh, I I grew up watching Even Stevens. Of course, Even Stevens um, kind of what catapulted Shia LaBeouf into you know the the star that he became. Um, it uh, had a lot of other great people in it: Christy Carlson, Romano, AJ Talth. A um, lot of lot of people in it, and uh, it was one of those uh, early Disney Channel shows. I don't want to say early to, to people listening, like early ni- the '90s Disney Channel shows uh, is is where it's at. But one of the early shows to me um, that uh, really really was uh, an amazing thing that I, I watched as a kid. Um, so it was a pleasure to speak to Jim about uh, his time on that show. Now I said that he's most well known in the acting world for that because. During that time and then after, it was one of his last, uh, I guess, big acting roles. Uh, For the last 20 years, he's been a big writer, uh, writing for shows, writing for award shows, writing for television shows, writing a lot of musical numbers. Uh, He was a writer on Mad TV. Uh, He now has an exciting project where he's a writer on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, We're going to talk about how he was uh, one of Jimmy Fallon's first teachers uh, in The Groundlings and how uh, he introduced Jimmy Fallon to Will Ferrell and it just a lot of names that you're going to definitely know and, and a lot of kind of insider stories that you're really going to enjoy. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking with, uh, with Mr. Wise, so gracious um, to, uh, to join me. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about his time on Even Stevens. We're going to talk about his time in the Groundlings. We're going to talk about his writing, this new opportunity to, to, uh, to get on The Tonight Show. He was actually a writer during Jay Leno's time and uh, Connections. He's now a, uh, a writer again very, very recently. It's kind of new news when we spoke about uh, about a month ago so i do uh, i do think you're going to enjoy this one whether you're a big fan of even stevens from uh, from disney channel in the day whether you just like the entertainment industry or you just want a good story uh, here is jim wise i'm here today with jim wise jim how are you i'm good i'm well thank you for having me oh, well thanks for joining me i appreciate it very much if you would just introduce yourself well, my name's Jim Wise. I'm a writer performer. I've been banging around uh, show business for, geez, 30, uh, 30 plus years. Mm. So uh, right now I'm working, I work more as a writer. I work as an actor intermittently, but uh, yeah, writing seems to be the steadier of the two for me. I hear you. Yeah, you've you've done a, a lot. So I wanted to. It was interesting to see exactly how you you introduce yourself because you're do- definitely multifaceted. How did I guess? How did you first get involved in the entertainment world? I, I wrote the question as acting, but you've done so much other stuff. I think you started as a voice actor. So how did well, you get involved? Well, I mean, I yeah, I, I started. Uh, I mean, voice acting and acting were you know concurrent. I mean that that was like a. I was doing both at the same time. And I don't know. I, um, I'm a, I don't think either one, I guess maybe I did more voice. I don't know. But uh, I was uh, in uh, the, the first thing I did was professionally was uh, I became, a, I went through the groundling program. Do you, are you familiar with the groundlings in LA? 
you know, I, I believe so, but I want you just to, to explain it to the listeners. I'll explain it to you. I'll explain it to you. So the Groundlings is a theater in Los Angeles and it's a comedy improv theater. It's uh, if you go to a show, you might see all improv or you might see sketches and improv. And uh, I used to go in high school and it, it used to just, you know, kill me. I thought it was hilarious. It's sort of a uh, minor league or uh triple a for uh saturday night live so a lot Mm of a lot of a lot of people you've seen on snl over the years uh may have come out of the groundlings anyway so you know i started taking classes there and there's levels and i moved up i got into the main company and all the while i was doing little acting jobs little voiceover jobs some writing jobs, but I didn't really start to focus on writing until I was in the main company. And that was, uh, you know, well, let's see, that would have been maybe five years after I started the program, you know? Yeah. Um, and then from there, I, I, you know, but again, acting and writing. And then I, at, uh, at some point I made the conscious decision to focus only on writing and that was uh, when I started writing at Mad TV in 2001. Yeah. Um, and I still did little acting things here and there. I worked. I used to be in a lot of sketches at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And that led to, once Mad TV was canceled, I went to uh, Leno as a writer. And that was, you know, a nice gig for five years. And... Uh, then I worked as a freelance doing other things, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just kind of, uh, I, 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 as you said, I did a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of different stuff. Yeah. That was that, but my first, I, I, I could trace back pretty much any job I've gotten. I could trace back to the groundlings. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's good to have that. Uh, I guess that base to, to, probably if nothing else connect you to a lot of different people that, and I'm, I'm sure that the business just is just a little bit about those connections, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just a little bit. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I, you know, like I said, my working with Leno was probably the, the best, the best gig, um, you know, for, you know, it's just a, a, a sweet job. And, uh, I probably, I would say that I got hired there because of uh, the presence of a guy that I taught at the Groundlings. I was an improv teacher Mm -hmm. and one of my students. So one day I get a call and from another Groundling saying that he, he was supposed to do something for the Tonight Show with Leno and he couldn't do it and he recommended me. And I said, okay, I'll do, I can do it. So I went down there and it turned out that this guy directing it was a former student of mine. Yeah. And, and then I just kept working there doing these sketches. And then when I need, when I saw that they were doing this, the Jay Leno show uh, and they needed more writers, I, you know, tried to get in there and he was the first guy I called. So, you know, yeah, it's all, you, you know, you got it right. It's, I would say, 99% 99% connections. Yeah. And then I believe, because I've kind of heard you talk about this before later on after Leno left was what, how was Fallon involved? Where didn't you kind of teach him something too? I, yeah. I don't remember that part of the story. Yeah. 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 I always, well, this is funny because this, and, and this actually, there's been a recent development is that I taught Jimmy Fallon in 1996. Hmm. I taught improv and he was, that was his first basic teacher. You know, we got along great. He, he said, on the, he said on the first day of class, you know, you're, I, I ask everybody to tell me your name and tell me why you're taking the class. And he just put it out there. He's like, I'm Jimmy Fallon and I want to be on Saturday night live. And this was after Will and Sherry and Chris Kattan had finished their first year. Will Farrell, Sherry and Terry, Chris Kattan. And I said, what, and, you know, the, the class responded, you know, I think they all laughed. And I said, and I didn't laugh because I'm a you know, supportive teacher. I said, um, you know, you, even if you do great in this class and get through all the levels and get into the main company and all that stuff, it's not a guarantee to get on Saturday Night Live. And he's like, oh, I know. 
but you know, I think this is a good place to be. And he did it. Mm. So flash forward to, um, what is it now? 2022. Mm. I've, you know, I've been working freelance and, and, you know, I'm older and I'm, I've kind of in my mind, you know, don't tell my wife, but I'm semi-retired <laughs> and just kind of cruising and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're fine. And um, I get a, an email from the tonight show's showrunner. He says, Jimmy brought your name up in a meeting to be somebody that could possibly write remotely for the show from Los Angeles. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, hell yeah. So I've been doing that for the last five weeks, working here from home. And the only, the difficult part is staying on their schedule because, you know, three hours earlier, um, I'm in LA, they're in New York, but it's funny, you know, it's a, once again, it's another, it's a, you know, it's a groundling connection. Yeah. Well, that, that is a heck of a connection. I, uh, I think that's taken you out of semi-retirement if that's, that's something you, you wind up doing. Well, I mean, I've done it, I, I, you know, the contracts are 13 weeks, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, I'm going to go out there soon to see what it's like in person. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, you know, I contribute to the show is what I want to do, you know? And I think that's, that's really awesome. And I interviewed a, another writer from the tonight show, but I think it sounds like your years don't match up. I think he was more in the, in the nineties. So I don't know. I don't know whether you knew him, but I interviewed, uh, it was actually my first, first interview. Hope this isn't my last. We don't, we don't book into here, but it with tonight show stuff. Right. Yeah. Frank King. Do you know Frank King? I don't know Frank King. So yeah. he was, he was one of Leno's writers in the nineties. You're right. Exactly. Was he on staff? Was he like in the building and everything or because. He was. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't know Frank King. Yeah. But I know people that know him because, you know, when I was there, there were guys that were there that started with him. John Max, a guy named John Max was one of his first writers. And like, I think he was even faxing in jokes when Jay was guesting for Johnny. Yeah. I believe that's true. Or somebody, Joe Madero's did that, I think. I'm getting my names all mixed up. But yeah, uh, no, I, I, but personally, I don't know Frank King. No. That's all right. Well, he's a, he's an interesting guy. He's still in comedy. He's, he's the mental health comedian because he's had a, a lot of struggles with that, but he tries to, to make that funny. So it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting thing. But enough about, enough about that. I, uh, <laughs> I want to, I guess, ask you because you've done a ton in writing. For those who don't stick around for the credits, I understand that's what's paid most of your bills. But what yeah. what have people seen you in? What have they seen me in? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, even Stevens, I guess, is my my biggest credit was my was the show that I appeared on the most. I was Coach Tugnut on Even Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it depends on how old you are, whether you're not whether or not you know that. Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of voiceover. One thing that I did for guys around your age might recognize is the, I was the goofy goober rock singer uh, in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Um, And that seems to be, you know, something that people stuck with people. Um, I, uh, I did a ton of sitcoms in the nineties and uh, I just did a curb your enthusiasm. Not just, it was like two years ago, but they aired it last year um, almost to the day actually. Hmm. But I would say even Stevens is where people would see my, yeah. uh, and, and whether or not they know it, they saw my fine green screen acting in space jam, the original one with Michael Jordan, hmm. the real one, bro. The yeah. OG. <laughs> I think that the only one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What and this is an easy Wikipedia find, but even Stevens, you said that was this in the when when was even Stevens? I watched as a kid, but now I don't even remember what what years are is this. Even Stevens was in the late nineties, late nineties to early two thousands. I think maybe ninety nine to two thousand two, because I know that they did you know the 
the whole the whole trick of doing a series is you have to like hit 65 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they want to do three seasons and break it up 65. I can't do the math. 22 episodes, something like that. Yeah. So w- uh, my son was on his way and he was born in 2000. He's 20. So that's how I, I remember that. Um, they uh, they started out. They So they had to bank out all these episodes because the kids were getting taller than the adults. Mm. Like that was a that was a concern. I just remember mm. like doing the, the musical that Shia and uh, what's his name? The guy who played Twitty. AJ. AJ. Shia and AJ were uh, starting to get taller than me. I didn't really thought about what, that. And I kind of and I, I also knew kind of from that that around that time I was toying with the idea of trying to get on the I had a lot of friends writing at Mad TV. And they all seemed pretty happy over there. And so I, I kind of glommed onto them and, and uh, got, a, got a writing job over there. And I was there for seven years. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I want to kind of focus a little bit on, on even Stevens for a moment. Sure. How, how did you get, how did you get that role? Because I'm pretty sure it has to do with, with knowing somebody there. That's true. That's true. Hold on one second. I gotta lose a window. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So the executive producer of Even Stevens was this guy, Sean McNamara. And Sean and I were uh went to the same high school. Mm. And he was a couple of years ahead of me. But we were in, you know, we were in the plays and stuff together and and uh he was in a band that sometimes I sat in with as a singer and, um, you know, we're still friends today, but yeah, he, he, I think he, he didn't know like if I was, uh, seasoned enough to like be a regular on the show, but he came and so he came to the groundlings and, you know, not, not, not saying I was amazing or anything like that, but I guess I, you know, he, he saw him like, Oh, well you're doing this, professionally kind of already so i'll give you a shot i didn't have to audition it was offered to me i did the pilot i had it was pretty i think i had two scenes in the pilot and um shia was 11 uh and um yeah that's how that that is exactly how i got it yeah yeah and it for so i mean there's kind of a sweet spot of of people who even know what the world the show is there's people probably listening that are too young and a lot that are too old. So just talk about, I guess, what, what was the role of, of Terry Tugnut? What exactly did you do? <laughs> well, thank you for using his first name. Not many people know his name is Terry Tugnut. Mm-hmm. Coach Terry Tugnut. Coach Tugnut was this kind of a hard-ass uh, coach that sort of uh, was ended up being the butt of a lot of jokes, you know, as, 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 is, uh, as it should be. So he was like this adult in, the, in a kid's world, and the kids were all you know, kind of smart asses. The guy, uh, Matt Dearborn, the guy that created the show, used me in, a, in some other shows that he wrote for uh, Nickelodeon as well. And I, at each of these shows, I played, <laughs> it's basically the same character. I played Chester, the janitor, Chester, the security guard, and then, Ter- and then Coach Tugnut. But, Ch- and these were on, on a show called... Uh, the secret world of Alex Mack, mm. which was a show on Nickelodeon. Mm. So he sort of knew I had that, you know, uh, lame authority figure vibe um, down, I guess. So it, it was, uh, it's, it's always fun to do. It's always fun to play the, the dummy, you know, the lame authority figure. I hope that's <laughs> that, not the vibe you have with your son. No, no, of course not. No, no, he's he he respects me. Good. I uh, yeah, I think that's that's interesting, and I think the the funny thing too is because I've talked to some other you know a, adult actors in kids shows, and it seems like any adult actor that lasts very long on a show that's you know not the mom or the dad, they always kind of I don't want to say evolve it was devolved from something serious to something just kind of wacky. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with, with, with this character too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, they, they had me doing, you know, by the time the movie rolled around, 
I was, I think my two parts in the, the movie were um, eating a bunch of pancakes uh, and, and then uh, prior to that, getting a bunch of spaghetti dumped on me uh, at, at, at the graduation from, because, you know, it's the old fill the beach ball with spaghetti and then make it explode. I don't know. It's a, a gag. So, yeah, like I said, I ended up being the butt of many jokes on that show or that character. did. Yep. Right. And I mean, you can really only talk about your your own experience. But what what is what was your experience on this show? I mean, some of the actors have have talked about it. And Disney is it's its own machine. And, and it's an, it, I think it's a different experience for children actors than maybe the adults, too. But what was your overall experience? Well, I mean, I, I had a great time doing it. I you know, there were there were enough adults around to like, you know, not I, so I didn't go crazy, but it is, it's a, it's a weird when you're the only adult working that day, it's a little weird. And they, they did do, uh, they'd scheduled it as in such a way that the minors on the show, the stars, you know, they had to be, they had to abide by, uh, California law of, of how many hours they could work. And so the schedules sometimes were a little weird where I'd come in and I'd be in the first scene that we're shooting. And then I'd go to my dressing room and I'd have like a, like a five hour downtime because they had to get, they had to shoot the kids out, you know? Mm. Um, so that, that was, that was a little taxing, but you know, it was, what else was I going to be doing? I mean, I honestly, I, I took that time to try to write stuff for the um, for the Groundling shows I was doing, but uh, for the most part, it was all good. And the, the, I, I got to say, the most fun I had were the rare episodes where I worked with Tom Virtue, who was the dad uh, on the show. He, he was just, you know, he's a little older than I am, and really funny and and cool. And we had, you know, a lot of friends in common, so came from the had had the same sphere of reference when it came to humor stuff like that that was all good yeah and how much how much time did you know of your year did this take when you were in here i always always ask this question because it just it blew my mind i interviewed bob uh eubanks a long time ago and he said this was a month of my life and then they just ran it throughout the year and it, it was it was so interesting to me is this something that took you know, a, a good chunk of, of the year or the season you weren't in every episode was, so was uh, it something that you just did on occasion or what, what did that look like? Well, it kind of ramped up my participation in the show ramped up uh, from season one to, you know, to season three, they used me more in season three and, and, and um, that, which was great. You know, it was a lot of fun. I think I was only in a few episodes, season one, but, you know, they, they, they and they actually had a um, I believe there was a changeover in the the, the showrunners. Uh, I can't remember the name of the season one showrunner, but Mark Warren and Dennis Rinsler ended up being the showrunners at least season two and season three and maybe part of season one. And they and, you know, they thought I was funny and they used me a lot. Um, and the writers were all cool and we all got along, you know, just kind of. Uh, again, like I, I was an adult and they're, they're all adults. So I don't know if it was just because they're like, Oh, thank God there's an adult on the show that has a sense of humor or, or what, but um, it, it was always, it was always fun. It was always fun hanging out with the writers. And I got to say that that probably had something to do with me saying, you know what, I'm going to try to just focus on writing with friends. So I, I started doing that at mad TV. Yeah. But, yeah. but, um, uh, what was your question? Why did I? Where did I run off there? Well, who knows? Well, I don't know. I don't, even, <laughs> I don't remember what I asked. But we okay. we can move into you know we talked about writing. You you did more than just write. You know, spoken word. You also wrote a lot of of songs in that show and a lot of other things. Talk oh, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Talk a little bit about that within this show, and then maybe other things that people have have heard. Well, on even Stevens. Um, I had a good relationship, but also this is another connection thing. So Sean McNamara, who was the executive producer, was in a band with a guy named John Coda all through high school. And John Coda was the composer of Even Stevens. 
and I knew John Coda through Sean and other guys I went to high school with. And he and I just became friends because, you know, I, I could sing and, um, and, you know, he often used, used me in the show for a lot of the incidental music, which is like, you know, in the background, you, you hear a, a male vocal, it's probably me. Uh, so that, then it came to like writing featured songs for the show. Um, and we did uh, the band on the roof episode. We wrote um, another perfect day. And then we, uh, and then, you know, they said we wanted to do this musical and, and they had this, we had a meeting with uh, everybody and they had, they basically had the script written out. They said, and then this song here is about X. And so I went home and I, I cranked out these lyrics and I cranked out a, a basic scratch track musically. And then Coda and I uh, put it together. And I, I got to say that was, you know, I said earlier that Leno was the sweetest gig, but that was the, as far as artistically fulfilling, that was a, uh, that was a great, uh, however long it took month. Um, that was a lot of fun because, you know, I, I wrote a bunch of songs. John produced them really well. I was uh, overseeing the vocal production of it. Um, and then, you know, that we had two weeks. It was a rare two week schedule to get the thing shot because we needed a week to rehearse all the choreography and all that. And, and, uh, and then it was, and it was kind of a hit, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember when it came out, but it, it at the, at the time kids really liked it. And I heard, you know, I got good feedback from, you know, parents that <laughs> parents saying that their kids were like, really liked it and all that. So, so that was cool. That was cool. And in fact, we tried to, John and I tried to, uh, use that as a kind of a jumping off point to try to sell a series. But um, it, the people are at that point, they weren't really uh, into it or they were nervous about music. And there's a weird thing that we found out about, like some, somebody told us, and this could have been, could have been, you know, just lip service, but we were told by Disney that they won't do a full series that's musical because it won't sell overseas because this, you know, you have to change the lyrics and they don't translate. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I buy that, but I mean, yeah. because everybody speaks English, if you've traveled at all, you know? Yeah. And there, there's, I mean, a lot of foreign shows have way more music in it than, than we do. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, anyway, we tried and, uh, but then, you know, I was I got busy with Mad TV shortly after uh, that. And I wrote a lot of songs over there. I wrote a ton of songs over there. I won an Emmy for one of them. Um, is that what's behind you? Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. And oh, also, whoa. <laughs> and also this, my Elton John bobblehead that they I were like getting it. at Dodger Stadium recently. I like it. Uh, yes, have... this, is my, this is the Emmy that, that uh, we won for this song that I wrote with this guy, Greg O'Connor, who was the uh, composer at Mad TV. That's awesome. I want to ask you here in a second about the, the songs that you wrote, but now that you talked about Elton John, now I got to ask, did you, have you seen him on his final tour? No, no, I, I got to say, man, as much as I'm a, I, I think I like music or I, I'm, I'm a music lover. I don't dig concerts. I don't like, I don't like, um, I just, uh, if wow. I have the, I have the option. I'm older, so I don't like I don't like crowds. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm learning. I uh, I don't I you know I lo I love music. I love baseball. I got that at a baseball game, mm -hmm. and but inevitably I'm irritated by the people around me. I hear you. you know, I, do, I do hear you there. The you older I mean? the older I get, the more I'm like everyone's talking. I want to hear, but no, yeah. I I love concerts. But the Elton John concerts, my most interesting one because. I was supposed to see him in October of 2017. He got oh. sick that day, wasn't able to do it. Oh, wow. So they, they rescheduled it to March of 2020. Oh. Don't know, don't know, but something happened then. So they, right. <laughs> they rescheduled that. So I actually saw him like two months ago. It was literally almost four years after the day that I was supposed to see him. 
It was yeah. one of the, it was the first concert that me and my girlfriend at the time were supposed to see together. By that yeah. time, we were getting married in a month. We had been together almost five oh, years. Our, the whole span of our relationships basically waiting on that Elton John concert. Amazing. So the joke was, you know, once this finally happens, then we're we're just in it for this concert, and then we're gonna split up. But luckily, That's it didn't happen. <laughs> hilarious. It's pretty. That's pretty funny. A, so how was the show? It was it was awesome. Yeah. I love I love concerts. It's actually the second time I had seen him, but it was a much yeah. much bigger production than than the first time. So it was. Where cool. was he in your neck of the woods? He was at uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse, which is where where the pa- Indiana Pacers play. So he was at the oh, okay. stadium. Yeah, got it, got it. And were people respectful? You know, or was it a good crowd? Like, <laughs> or well, no? No, it was a great crowd, but. That's another thing. We're going to go off on Elton John, but they actually. So remember, this was four years in between. And in, sure. the, in the four years, they had remodeled the arena. OK, so back four years ago, they were still giving out paper tickets and not just electronic. And they had remodeled the arena. So people showed up with tickets that did, no longer existed. Oh, what a mess. So it was a mess. It was on the news afterwards that, you know, huh. half the people didn't get to see half the show because they were trying to figure out, like, we don't have a, the sea doesn't exist anymore. Where are we going to oh, put them? So it was a Crazy. mess. <laughs> it was that a is mess. madness. It was madness. Back, oh. back oh. off of Elton John, back on to, to your writing. Um, <laughs> what do you think, because I could, I could hear an argument on uh, either way. What do you think is harder to kind of song to write is it these things like you've done this well i mean i don't know you've maybe done more than this but like kind of the silly songs about a mundane topic or these you know big power ballads that you just get to write about whatever whatever you want i feel like it i feel like it would maybe be harder to have to write a song about whatever all all these influenza episode songs well you mean you mean with jokes in it and all that like that's 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 harder than than a than a, a real heartfelt song, mm-hmm. although I mean you know I I wrote a song for uh, this Disney thing called uh, Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, mm-hmm. and it was Goofy's son Max singing to his father. This um, from his point of view, he 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 does he's bringing his girlfriend home. And he doesn't want to be embarrassed. And the song is called Make Me Look Good. And it went through uh, so many, like I got notes on it a lot. I guess, I guess the, the, the hardest thing to, to do to write is a, is a song that the producers have a lot of time to talk about or think about, mm. as opposed to a song that's going to be on the show later that week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. so the 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 amount of chefs in in the kitchen on this Disney thing were it was crazy. Like I had meeting after meeting, um, and you know it, I, I think the song turned out great. Whoever the the kid that sang it, I don't know who he is, but um, he did a great job. And but I, I think that, and that was kind of a it had jokes in it. It had sort of you know cool. I, I thought cool turns of phrase. Um, but it was like the most heartfelt, most um, pop one that I've mm-hmm. written. Yeah. Anyway. And I guess we can just to, to throw the Alan John reference in, what do you, which part of it are you? Cause he is the, he's the musician and then Bernie uh, is the Bobby. actual writer. So there do you do is. both or what? I do. I do both. I'm, I'm probably stronger as a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure, I, you know, I, at Mad TV, we had this composer who was, who was great, you know, and, and, uh, would do things that I would never think of, uh, putting into a song, but, um, I could, I, you know, I could write all day. In fact, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it for this Fallon show. I'm like trying and pitching original songs and pitching some parodies and it's, you know, uh, stuff is in the works, but, you know, it, I don't know if uh, I we I haven't gotten anything on TV yet. Let's say that. Gotcha. So, well, fingers fingers crossed about that. I want to ask yeah. you too. What is your? I guess what's your relationship with this role? Are you kind? 
when I'm, I'm talking about coach Doug Matt, are you kind no. the kind of person that is like, I've done so much other stuff and everyone just wants to keep talking to me about this. Are you the kind of person that's like, it's given me some different opportunities that I wouldn't have had or what, what's your relationship with the world? No, I, I, I love playing coach Doug Nutt. I, I thought it was, like I said, it was, it's always fun to play the dummy. And, uh, and I like talking about it. I mean, I, I didn't, I, it's not, it's not me per se. It's, you know, this character I played and, and I had a, I had a blast doing it and I'm happy that people remember it. I'm you know, that, that it sort of made a mark. It's in my, my, uh, my carbon footprint of, on the popular culture uh, as, as small as it may be, because as you said, not, you know, it was only on for three seasons. I guess it's on Disney plus now, if you really want to ring it up, but um, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not put off at all by the, by the, by talking about it. The, and, and honestly, that was like the last thing that I did prior to really just kind of, you know, putting my head down and, and working as a writer for what is it now? 20 years, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, no, I have no problem. And, and also a- acting's fun. Yeah. Acting's much easier than, uh, than writing. Mm. Gotcha. You know? yeah. gotcha. So obviously the, a lot of these people in this show were kids. So I, I, I realized that they're, they're adults now. I think Christy Carlson Romano has got a YouTube channel. She's making stuff. Uh, AJ has got a podcast. Shia is doing whatever, whatever he's doing. Good, good, bad, or indifferent. He's doing whatever he's doing. Right, right, right. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, Do you still, are you connected with, with any of them anymore? Anybody from the show? You know, a a while ago, um, I did a, I did a small, they, it's funny. So the same production company that did um, even Stevens, they do a lot of um, faith-based movies, and they have this movie called Hoovy, uh, which in Hoovy is the last name of somebody of a kid that had a brain tumor, or uh, I think that's right, and then he came back and he was like a star basketball player in high school. So it's basically his life story. They also did the Soul Surfer, where the the woman that has uh, I had lost an arm and then mm-hmm. continued to have a surfing career. Anyway, so they realized that they needed something to cut away to during this basketball game. So they hired me to sit in the corner of an auditorium it, it, with like a couple of people sitting behind me. And I did all this announcing for him. Mm. AJ was working at this point for the company. He had decided to, he was not going to be an actor anymore. He was going to be a producer I don't know where he's at now as, as far as that goes. A couple of years ago, we did a reunion during COVID, like 2020, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's, it's, I thought it was just a Zoom. I thought it was just a Zoom call, but apparently they recorded it and it was and it served as uh, a reunion mm-hmm. uh, for like the 2020 even Stevens reunion. And um, the honey boy had been released. And so we, I guess there was some talk about that, but basically it was just catching up the funny thing or the not so funny thing. The weird thing about it was, so I think Christy and Nick put it together, but they didn't invite the writers. And I was like, where the hell are the, the, the staff the, we had this great staff and they did, they were nowhere to be seen. So that was a little, I think I think it was a bad move on their part, but in retrospect, I guess it was just kind of a I don't know something to raise their profile, honestly. Mm. And I know she she <laughs> put these, but she you know she puts these. Uh, somebody told me that she puts these videos out where she's like walking through the woods and talking yeah. about how she blew all her money and and she, she does yeah and and why she doesn't talk to Shia anymore and you know. Uh, nobody talks to Shia. Last time I saw Shia, I was working at Mad TV, and we, on occasion, would cover premieres, movie premieres, mm. and we'd get one of the one of the the actors on the red carpet and have him ask goofy questions. And we went to Eagle Eye, the movie that Shia was in, whenever two thousand, uh, 
when was that? 2006, 2000, I don't know, 2008. Hmm. Um, but I saw him there and I said, so what's been going on, man? What, 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 how come you, how come you haven't called me or anything? And it was like 12 years after we had seen each other. Hmm. Um, but, but he, um, and I had no idea. Did you see honey boy? I did not know. Okay. So in it, he plays his dad and uh, he, his dad, I guess, was pretty rough with him, like physically. And I had no idea. I had no idea that was going on during Even Stevens. But that's that's when it was. And um, I spoke to one of the showrunners and they said, yeah, we we didn't know how bad it was, but there were times when we had to step in, like when he, he would raise his, the, the dad would raise his voice. And so at this premiere for Eagle Eye, I see the dad and I'm like, hey, Jeff, <laughs> I'm happy to see him without knowing that, you know, 10 years later, there's going to be this movie depicting him as a, a child abuser, basically. So that was a yeah. little but, awkward. Yeah. And that's such a, I guess the, crazy thing about this show just because i mean you can look at it as obviously maybe this show him having all those issues maybe even the show knowing a little bit about it but it's your star and i don't know i mean you you can fill in the blanks there and then also now with the way that that i maybe that he is just for him to be so disconnected to to the show he wasn't definitely on the reunion that's that's for sure Right. And that, you know, he's also he's also had this really good career, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's it, it is interesting, though. Like if I were I don't know who, who knows, who knows what's what's going on with him. But he he got his first age. I mean, he was such an industrious kid. Like he would call agencies and say, I want to be an actor. And they're like, well, what have you done? And it's like nothing. I need help. I need you to to send me out as I, and, and he won somebody over and then boom, boom, he got even Stevens because he had no fear. In fact, I will, I will uh, draw a parallel between him and uh, Mr. James Thomas Fallon, who mm. both really put it out there. There are two people in my, my, you know, experience, vastly different times in my life, actually not that different, pretty close, like five years apart. I think I mm. met them. Let's see, 90, no, it was like three years apart. So I met Jimmy, 96, and I met Shia in 99. Oh, yeah. And they're both like, you know, people that put it out there, and you kind of got to do that. So that's what I would recommend to you listeners out there. If you know what you want to do, put it out there and let people know. Don't be shy about it. Anyway. No, I think that's that's good advice for sure. And in anything in life, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to get anything that you don't work for. You don't ask for. That's, that's the biggest thing in this podcast. There's plenty of people I've had on that. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that, but guess what? If you just ask, sometimes it works out pretty good. So, right. Just like Mr. Jim wise, right? That's right, buddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to ask you too, and, and I didn't expect probably the answer that I'm going to get. What, uh, if you had to pick just one acting, writing, writing songs, directing all these things, what do you prefer? And why I said that I, I wasn't, I didn't expect the answer I'm going to get. I heard an interview with you a little while ago that you said that you're kind of not into writing anymore and that you're, you're kind of in the twilight of it, but it doesn't sound like that's the case anymore. No, it's not. That's, I mean, (laughs) but I'll say what, but, but still hands down the, the, the most fun job is acting. It's, it's weird. I got to say that the, the problem with acting is there's so much downtime. When you're a writer, you're, you're so busy, at least, I mean, on this Fallon show, I'm not even in the office and I'm like nonstop writing. You're so busy. There's no, there's no in between, you know, there's no, there's no downtime. I suppose you can create downtime, but then, you know, you're not working. Um, and there's too much downtime as an actor. So I, I would guess if, honestly, if it's a if you're an actor and you're somebody like Will Ferrell, who's in every scene of every movie he's in, you know what I mean? Then it's then it's a blast. That would be ideal. But you know, it's like I'm I am I have uh, made my choices. 
and I uh, am living with them. So, <laughs> so you're so you're saying your favorite would be acting if you're aware Will Ferrell, but yeah, given Will Ferrell. given that you're not writing is is what you like him. Exactly. You know what I got to say? Uh, Will's fresh on my mind because we came up and through the Groundlings together, and I introduced Jimmy Fallon to Will. And so now I'm working for Jimmy Fallon and now Will is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks promoting this movie that he's doing that he did with uh, Ryan Reynolds called Spirited. And it's a musical and it's Scrooge. It's the Scrooge story, but it's a, you know, reimagining and it's really good. It's really mm-hmm. good. We got to, we all got to uh, screen it and it's a good way. It's going to be on Apple. If you have the old, uh, if you're a streamer. Yeah. Something to look at. What well, last question I want to ask you about this, I guess, writing for, for uh, late night, the, uh, the, uh, the guest, how much of that is the writers doing things for them? Because let's talk about Will Ferrell. He, I don't, I don't know what show it was. Was it, it was either the night show or one of the other ones. One of the funniest scenes is he, I don't know if you remember this. He came out with a bird on his shoulder and uh-huh. did not talk about it. And he, like the whole time you act like it wasn't there when, when the host asked him about, it, he's like, I don't want to talk about Mr. Feathers. It was so funny, but I wonder, did he come up with this? Did, did the writers create this for him? How much of uh, you know, guests are actually put on by the writers? Oh, I think, well, with Will, since he's, since he, Will is always like a really strong and prolific writer, even when we were working together, you know, almost 30 years ago. Um, he, I'm sure he did it. I'm sure he mm. came up with it. Mm. I'm sure, uh, people could have pitched it to him. Somebody else may have come up with it, but I, I almost, you know, would, I would put money on it that he came up with it on other things on the tonight show. You know, there was a, I don't know if you watch it, but like the other night, Dwayne Johnson was on and he was promoting black Adam. They wanted something to do with him like some sort of sketch, something big, something that would take them away from the desk. Hmm. And so they requested pitches. I, you know, they keep, they keep telling me to focus on songs. So I pitched this song, like the, the, the black Adam theme song, but it was like, instead of being like dark and dire, it was like a bouncy fun song, you know, like a, a hmm. goof and they passed on it. And, but the, the thing they ended up doing was Jimmy's idea where he was, uh, a director directing him directing uh, Dwayne Johnson through a bunch of promos that were specific to cities. Hmm. So, you know, this is for the people in San Diego. And so it was like Dwayne Johnson is a surfer. This is for New York. And so he had to be like, you forget about it. You know, that, that hmm. kind of thing. And, um, and so that came from Jimmy. Hmm. So we, as writers on these shows, and I think you, anybody else would agree, you crank out material, you pitch material, and you, uh, it's, it, is, it feels great when it gets on, but it's very rare. Mm. There's a, right, right now, there's 20 people writing bits trying to get into the show, and maybe, maybe two bits will get on, and you know, 20 people are that's like, you know, 40, I don't know. What's the math on that? What's the percentage? 5% less. So so look at, you know, 95% of the writing you're doing is not going to get on. Which when you, when you pour yourself into it, I feel like that'd be super frustrating, but then super, super rewarding when you get it. So it's kind of a give and take there. Right. Right. So I, I, you've kind of talked about what you're doing now, please do promote anything that you, that you want to, uh, and then tell us how uh, how people can stay connected to you. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, you know, I have a Twitter presence. It's, I think it's just Jim Wise. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> you find me? Yeah, yeah. I think it, but it's, I think it says Coach Tugnut is my descriptor. So, mm. uh, and then uh, I don't really do Instagram, but, you know, I, you, you got to me through my website, which is jimwise.tv. So I'm, Fairly, I think you'll agree that I'm fairly quick in responding to things. Sure. Um, I do, you know, it's funny. I get a lot of um, autograph requests through that website. So I do that. I'll send a, a headshot of, you know, from when I was in my 30s. 
uh, to some kid and then sign it. But um, yeah, uh, uh, watch the Tonight Show. Watch Jimmy Fallon. I love uh, it. Yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll see my name at the end of the show if they if they run the credits. I like it. Well, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Really, really Likewise. appreciate your time. Of course. So that was Jim Wise. Awesome guy. Really enjoyed speaking with him. Just learning some some inside stories from a, a TV show that I, I really, really enjoyed as a kid. Learning about just the the life of a, of a writer, a comedic writer. Learning about those inside stories from, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon in the early days and that motivation, that drive he had. Will Ferrell in those early days. Just, just an amazing... Amazing conversation. Really, really appreciated Jim's time. I uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you were an Even Stevens fan, I know you enjoyed this conversation because we, we learned so much. Uh, if you never even seen it, you're like, what the heck is Even Stevens? Hope you enjoyed just hearing a little bit about uh, how uh, how the world of acting, how the world of writing works. Uh, Jim is, is definitely a, a powerhouse in, in that world. And uh, he's he can he's continuing to do great things. I think he was kind of ramping things down, and it's ramped right back up. And he's doing the uh, the Tonight Show now. So really, really enjoyed speaking with him. Go check out um, him on his website. He wasn't kidding. He's great at responding there. Um, the link to his website will be in the show notes. Uh, it's as easy as go check out the Tonight Show. You know, it's not uh, it's not super easy. It's not super common that uh, a writer gets their stuff on. But let's let's keep watching and, and see uh, a, a skit or a song or or a part that uh, Jim is the one that wrote. So really, really, really appreciate his time. Go check him out in, in all those areas. Um, if this is your first time listening, thanks so much for being here. Hope you'll check out some other episodes. Um, if this is your first time or the hundredth episode and you haven't done it yet, go leave five stars on Apple and on Spotify. On Apple, if you would, leave a written review. Always appreciate that. But until next week, take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or, hey, Maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.